0: What is peace? We've all seen the hand gesture making the peace sign or the symbol for peace that is globally accepted, but what does it really mean? I personally believe it's easier to explain what peace isn't than it is to accurately define what it is. COVID-19, no, that's not peace. A war breaking out or riots, that's also not peace. The past year and a half has proved to be one of the most challenging times in my lifetime and probably yours as well. Because of the global pandemic, there has been a war on your peace and on mine. Virus outbreak, illness, wars, and riots, they're all great conditional descriptions of things that don't give us peace. But what does God's word say peace is? The answer may surprise you. It's so great to be back recording again as so much has happened between the last podcast and now. My peace has been challenged in ways I never expected it to be. Losing friends and loved ones we thought would be around so much longer, uh, being a newly adoptive parent with two little boys from Haiti who don't speak English, bringing our kid total to seven, has been challenging and awesome, but certainly not what I would call peaceful. Our home is super active and could even be described as chaos when you put nine individuals, two dogs, a cat, and a goldfish all under one roof. Having my entire family get COVID, not once, but twice, surely isn't the definition of peace. So what is peace anyway? I've thought a lot about this with the challenges we have faced as a family, and I'm sure if you were to ask yourself this question, you could quickly list all of the things in your life that don't bring you peace. But is peace just the absence of the things in our lives that are challenging? Or is it something more than that? Struggling to define this led me to search for an answer of what peace really is. And when I want to quickly get an answer to something, I do what most of us do. I search the internet. After all, isn't everything that you find on the internet the truth? Yeah, right. But hey, let's give Siri a shot at this. Hey Siri, what is peace? On it. Peace is a concept of societal friendship and harmony in the absence of hostility and violence. Want to hear more? Yeah. In a social sense, peace is commonly used to mean a lack of conflict and freedom from fear of violence between individuals or groups. Throughout history, leaders have used peacemaking and diplomacy to establish a type of behavioral restraint that has resulted in the establishment of regional peace or economic growth through various forms of agreements or peace treaties. That sounds believable enough. But again, it represents more of what peace isn't to define what it is. Per the internet, or Siri in this case, peace is the absence of hostility, violence, and wars. Or We could add to that list to say it's the absence of a global pandemic, economic hardship, sickness, or in my case, maybe seven kids. I'm joking, of course. My family's amazing, but it's not the best definition of peace. We have peace sometimes, but clearly not always. What the internet just said peace is sounds conditional to me. Basically, as long as things line up the way I want them to, I've got peace. The moment my state or position changes because of my circumstances, peace is nothing more than a distant hope. As I researched all this, I wasn't convinced of the answer, and I even felt a little bit like the internet let me down, and it wouldn't be the first time. I decided, finally, to look at what God's word says about peace. Now. It's funny how I look for answers in so many different places asking so many different people before I ask God what his answer is to my question. Searching through the Bible, I ended up in the Old Testament in a book called Judges. I landed in chapter 6. This chapter is the starting place for an amazing story about a young man named Gideon as well as the revelation of what I would say true peace is. Now, Gideon was just an ordinary guy but he would eventually be called the greatest judge in Israel's history. You wouldn't know it by looking at where he started. But before we get to Gideon, we need to set the stage for what's going on in this chapter. The chapter starts off explaining how desperate the Israelites are because of the persecution they're under by surrounding nations. However, this persecution was due to the very choices that they've made. Israel had forgotten how God had rescued them from the Egyptians, and instead of following his command to not worship other gods, they worshiped lots of gods. The gods of the Amorites in the land that they were living at that time. And that decision proved to be destructive for them, and they pushed the love, grace, and protection of the one true God away from them. They didn't want it. How often have you and I pushed that love, grace and protection from God away from us, choosing to do whatever we want, when we want, regardless of the cost it may have on our relationship with God or even others? For the Israelites this went on for 7 years, and no matter what they did, Midian crushed them. In Judges chapter 6 verses 3 through 5, we read that the Israelites went into hiding in fortified areas. They were in caves and mountainous dens. It didn't matter. Everything they tried to do couldn't stop the oppression. They clearly needed a miracle. In verse 5, it says that the enemy was so large that it was impossible to even count them. They were clearly outnumbered. They faced an impossible situation. Have you ever felt outnumbered by an enemy? And maybe that enemy is sickness, an addiction, or a financial crisis that is in your life. Now don't give up just yet, because what happens in verse 6 is a picture of how quickly things can change with impossible situations when God shows up. It says here, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Don't go too fast here. They cried out to the Lord for help. This is so important. There will never be a time in your life when you call upon the name of the Lord that he will not hear you. He will not abandon you. He will not forsake you. He loves you and he has a plan to do more than you could ever imagine. Romans 10.13 says, All those that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now in this moment, God heard the Israelites cry out. They had finally reached the end of themselves and God hears their cry. And in that moment, God chose a young man that you and I would just call an average guy. Not impressive by any means, clearly not a warrior, and this young man is called Gideon. Gideon would become his instrument to set the Israelites free from the oppression of Midian. Now, this podcast today isn't about Gideon and all the great things God did with him, although they're really amazing, and I'd I'd love to talk about that another time. But what we're after today is understanding and answering what the true definition of peace is. So stay with me as I believe this is a revelation right from God's word on what true peace is and how you can have it today. When we first meet Gideon in Judges chapter 6, verse 11, he's hiding from his enemies in a wine press, threshing wheat. If you know anything about threshing wheat, you're not doing that in a wine press. He's doing it because he's afraid for his life. He's afraid that the Midianites will find him and destroy the wheat and probably him along with it. Now, in this moment, Gideon has a surprise visitor show up. It says this, When the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. How many mighty warriors do you know are in hiding? Gideon didn't look like a warrior. Gideon didn't feel like a warrior. But the reason the angel of the Lord said this is because God not only sees where you are today and who you are today, but who you will become when he is with you. I love Gideon's response here in the coming verses. He says this, pardon me, my Lord. If the Lord is really with us, then why has all this bad stuff happened to us? Why has God abandoned us? It's a great question. And it's looking at the facts the circumstances, the results? And the answer was simple. The people had abandoned God. Now, he didn't abandon them. They stepped away from God. Their hearts were turned away because they were pursuing false gods and idols. Now, the angel doesn't get into a debate with Gideon about the past. No, he's focused on the present opportunity and answering the prayers of the people who are crying out for help. And he responds by saying in verse 14, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Go in the strength you have. I wonder, what strength do you have today? To you, it may not feel like it's enough. Maybe you don't feel like you have any strength at all, but with God's help, there's more than enough strength to get through this coming moment for you. Don't wait until you feel strong to trust God and do great things. When God sends you, You are strong because it's not strength you create or feel that makes you strong. He makes you strong. Now look at Gideon's reply. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. Basically, he's saying there's nothing special or warrior like about me. I'm a nobody. The Lord answers. I'll be with you again. The Lord isn't arguing with Gideon about his past or his present circumstances. He's entirely focused on the plans and purpose he has for Gideon and for Israel. I will be with you. That's it. That's all you need. Romans 8.31 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Gideon replies, all right. If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please don't go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I'll wait until you return. Now this is in verse 17. So Gideon goes inside, prepares a meal for this this prophet or whoever it is, because Gideon still doesn't know who this is. And he brings it to him and he offers it to this person. The angel of the Lord said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread. Now, this is in verse 20. Place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did it. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of his staff. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. Gone. Verse 22. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed... Alas, Sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid, you're not going to die. Peace, don't be afraid. Gideon, in this moment, realizes something that he was missing all along. It says right after this, Gideon builds an altar to the Lord. And he calls it the Lord is peace. The Lord is peace. Now, in Hebrew, that is called Yahweh Shalom. What Gideon experienced and what he said was defining exactly what peace is. Peace is not a feeling. Peace is not everything working out the way I want it to, or expect it to, or even need it to. Peace is not the absence of war, or sickness, or famine like the internet says. Peace is a person. Go with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied about the coming Messiah, and when he did, he identified what would bring peace and what would be peace. This scripture is used so often around Christmas time. We're in Isaiah 9. Verse six through seven, for unto us, a child is born to us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace and of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. Who is this talking about? It's talking about Jesus. Gideon and Isaiah are both talking about the same person, the same person, Jesus Christ. Now jump with me to the New Testament and you'll see what I'm talking about. In John chapter 14, Jesus is trying to comfort his disciples. It even starts off in verse 1, don't let your hearts be troubled but they are troubled. He's talking about leaving them. He's talking about going to the Father. He's talking about sending the promised Holy Spirit. He's sharing so much that must be confusing for them because they've put all of their time, their trust, their energy into following Jesus and relying on him alone. Hearing that he's going to leave I'm sure they're confused in this moment. And and what Jesus is trying to do in chapter 14 is to assure them that he's not leaving them. He's not abandoning them. No, this is all part of the mission of God to save humanity and to have a relationship with every person on the planet. Now, let's look at John 14, chapter 27. These are Jesus's words here. Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. Jesus is telling his disciples in this moment that what you want more than anything, you can't have unless I give it to you. And guess what? You can have it. Look what he says right after this. I do not give to you as the world gives. What does that mean? Well, we just covered it. Siri just talked about it. The way the world gives is you have peace if there's not wars, there's not famine, there's not sickness, you got enough money in the bank. Find the the love of your life. Your marriage is intact. No, 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 no. That's the peace the world gives only when it shows up in the way you want it to. No, Jesus is saying, I'm not giving to you as the world gives. He ends verse 27 with the exact same way. He starts John 14 in the first verse. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Come on, guys, you've got my peace. I'm leaving it with you. I'm leaving my peace. I'm leaving my power. I'm leaving my purpose. I'm leaving it all. Jesus is the essence and access of God's love, God's joy, and God's peace. And in Christ, we have hope. We have healing. We have love. And we have transforming restoration. There is nothing that God can't do. And he wants to do it all for us. It's his peace. Or it's no peace. If Jesus promised us peace, his peace, then how do we actually put that on and use that when everything around us is saying peace is not an option? In Isaiah 26.3, it says, you, I'm referring to God, will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are set on you because they trust in you. So that's it. It's transferring your trust. It's transferring your dependence, your hope, not on what you can do, but on Jesus. It's knowing Jesus and putting your focus and attention on him and what he has for you. Now, the way to do this is by taking all that you are, every hope, dream, fear, need, and you put it through a filter. And I found this filter to be Philippians chapter four, verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus. Let's break this down real quickly. Step one, rejoice in the Lord always. Right where you are, I want you to celebrate the promise from God that nothing can separate you from His love. Nothing. He hears you, He sees you, He loves you, He died for you and was resurrected to new life just for you. Celebrate that. Trust Him. Ask him to reveal himself to you so you can have that relationship with him and that hope. And step two, let your gentleness be evident to all. The definition of gentleness is compassion, sympathy, tenderness. Now take a deep breath and breathe in his promises to you and breathe it out. Breathe out all the feelings, the fear, the anxiety of having to make it all happen on your own your past, now let it go. Let it all go. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Step three, the Lord is near. He's not only near, but he is here right now. Fix your heart on this truth right now. The reason you can rejoice and show gentleness despite the storms of life is because you know that God is with you. He's for you. Unlike any other power in the universe, nothing can compete with the presence and peace of God in your life. He's here right now. Step four, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation with prayer and petition, and this is so important, with thanksgiving, think about that. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, take it to the Father. Jesus taught us how to do that. Take it to God. Pray. Ask him to intervene. Connect with him. Take the promises in scripture and pray those words. It says with thanksgiving. Think about it. You've got a need. You've got a situation. It says right here, go ahead and approach God boldly with it and celebrate with thanksgiving. You know why? Because he hears you. You can present those requests to the Lord. He's not going to turn you away. He loves you. This goes so far beyond our abilities. We always worry. We struggle to solve problems. I feel it too. I'm trying to take the promises of God and apply them just as much as I'm telling you to. Now, this is not a suggestion. It's a command. What would this look like? Let's do it. Father, I put my anxiety on the table before you right now. Whatever the situation is, help me to let go. I'm praying, connecting, and communicating with you right now, and I'm petitioning, which is requesting your help. But I'm not just dumping my requests on you, I'm taking hold of this with thanksgiving. I'm celebrating the struggle. I'm celebrating the battle I'm in because you are here and you have a purpose for it, and you've promised to work through this situation with me. That is why, Father, I give thanks right now. I can be excited. I can be positive. I can be hopeful. I can be expectant because you are here and that's enough. This takes it right back around to how this verse and promise starts rejoicing. Now, step five and the peace of God, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. It's not going to make sense to anybody else. It might not even make sense to you. We'll guard. It's going to protect your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Think about this. In Christ Jesus. Go back to Gideon. The Lord is peace. Go go back to, to John 14 and what Jesus said. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. That's what this is talking about. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in, nope, not yourself, in Christ Jesus, because it's the only place you can find it.